from Dubai. I'm Rachel Price and welcome to my podcast, Not Just Making the Tea, a show where we'll talk about the realities of our career and life choices whilst made at school and college. It's all about celebrating the parts that don't go to plan as much as those which do. With every chat, we explore what life skills there are to be learned and how they can influence and help us to succeed. This season, the focus is on key skills and the attributes which we all need to be more successful in our everyday lives. I hope that you enjoy listening, find the topics thought-provoking, entertaining, and that they add some positive vibes to your day. So on that note, let's get started with today's topic. resilient in everyday life. Highly resilient people share three common traits and luckily for us we can all learn how to cultivate them. It would make sense to begin this podcast about resilience with a story of profound heroism in the face of grave injustice. Maybe Viktor Frankl surviving the concentration camps or even Rosa Parks sitting wherever she damn well pleased. But I want to talk about resilience on a much smaller scale. I want to talk about being resilient in our own everyday ordinary lives, yours and mine. Even if we're fortunate enough not to need heroic levels of resilience in our lives, it's important to know that we can all learn to become a little more resilient in the face of everyday difficulties and uncertainty. For example, being more resilient in our everyday life could mean that we are able to take criticism well rather than getting defensive and losing our temper. A better equipped to process grief and loss in a healthy way rather than trying to avoid it or allowing ourselves to be consumed by it. Or maybe it's choosing to bite our tongue in a fight with our spouse or siblings or friends rather than resorting to sarcasm or much worse. During the rest of this podcast, I'm going to describe three traits that are common among people who are highly resilient. Then I'll offer some practical tips on how we can learn to cultivate each of these traits to become a little more resilient into the challenges and stresses of everyday life. You might want a pen and paper for this one, for your own notes. There are lots of interesting tips and tricks this week, but I will also add a printable with my notes on in a link within the podcast information. So let's get started with trait number one, acceptance of reality. Resilience does not mean being naively optimistic. In fact, a core characteristic of highly resilient people is that they are clear-eyed about the nature of the challenges that they face. This acceptance of the way things really are allows them to be more efficient in designing strategies to navigate their particular struggles or challenges productively. For example, suppose you've just given a presentation to your classmates at school. You believe strongly that your idea is a good one, and you feel like the presentation itself went fairly well. But to your shock and horror, the first words out of your classmate's mouth is to criticise a key component of your idea. You feel hurt, and the anger is quickly rising. Thoughts run across your mind like, why do they have to be so negative all the time? They really don't know what they're talking about. I'm the person who researched this and delivered the presentation after all. At this point, you've come to a fork in the road. You can either continue down this path of defensiveness that your mind has already started you on, and while you feel that this is justified, you suspect that the end result may not be so good. For example, your classmates could scrap the idea entirely, or you could end up saying something out of anger that risks your position in relationships, or you can acknowledge feeling hurt and upset, but try to better understand what your classmate's criticism is getting at and whether, in the long run, it could lead to an even better idea. 
While difficult not to act on those defensive urges initially, this second pathway seems to be the smarter play in the long run. Do notice that while it's natural to feel angry and upset in response to criticism and to interpret that criticism as unfair, this default response is not always in line with reality. Did your classmates actually do something wrong by pointing out what they saw as a weakness or a flaw in your idea? Are they really always being negative? And do they really not know what they're talking about? It's possibly not the case. A more realistic assessment of things might be that whilst they were a little blunt in their criticism, which whilst it hurts, it was not a bad point to make, or maybe it is true that they don't have as much technical expertise in this area as you do, but an outsider's perspective could be really helpful. When we get into the habit of checking our initial interpretation of things and then aligning our thoughts more closely with reality, we not only feel better in the moment, but we're more likely to discover productive ways forward. Psychologists refer to this acceptance of reality when confronted with new information as accommodation, which means to be more flexible with our own beliefs in order to accommodate new facts and information. It's in stark contrast to the more primitive strategy of assimilation, where we attempt to distort the facts so that they fit within our pre-existing belief structures. You can practice this by using a technique called cognitive restructuring. To get into the habit of questioning your default interpretations of things and replacing them with more flexible, realistic thoughts. In reality, here's how that works. Pause. Anytime you find yourself surprisingly upset, pause and say, OK, what's really going on here? Identify the trigger and ask yourself, what happened initially to set me off in becoming upset? Was it something someone else said or did? Was it a thought or a memory that was randomly crossing my mind? Notice your automatic thoughts. What thoughts and interpretations of the trigger crossed your mind immediately? How did you talk to yourself about what happened? Identify and rate your emotion. Notice how you're feeling emotionally. What was the strongest emotion present? On a scale of 1 to 10, how strong is that right now? Now it's time to generate alternative thoughts. How else might you interpret what just happened? How would a third party see it? Are you falling into any cognitive distortions or exaggerations? List at least a couple alternative thoughts for each automatic thought that you've identified. Now you re-rate your emotions. Having generated some new, likely more realistic alternative thoughts, check back in with how you're feeling. Re-rate that same emotion from step four. Cognitive restructuring is best done on paper, at least for the first few times. If you do it enough, you'll be able to begin to change your default way of interpreting difficult situations to be more flexible and realistic. This is a huge step in becoming more resilient. Trait number two, sense of purpose. Purpose doesn't have to be something grandiose or spiritual. Having a sense of purpose can simply mean that you have positive things in your life that you get excited about, curious about, look forward to, and that you consider valuable. The more of these intrinsic values that we have, the stronger our sense of purpose, and therefore the more motivation we have to push through difficult times and uncertainty. Here's an example of how a modest sense of purpose can help us stay resilient in the face of adversity. There was once a client who lost her mother to cancer suddenly at a relatively young age. The client was devastated. For the first few weeks after her mother's death, she hardly left the house, barely ate, 
and was almost totally disconnected from her family and friends. She felt bad about this, but as she explained to her counsellor, she was just too overwhelmed with grief. After a couple of unsuccessful attempts on the counsellor's part to help, they stumbled onto something that was just what she needed, by taking a look at the idea of purpose. One of the things that she was most distraught about was that her own daughter was never going to have any experiences with her grandmother. The counsellor recognised that there was a value, something personally important to her client. And whilst they couldn't literally give her daughter experiences with her now deceased grandmother, maybe they could replicate parts of it. The client and the counsellor began to explore what aspects of her mother she most valued and wished her daughter could experience. She would recall favourite memories with her mum, favourite qualities in her and even some of her favourite meals that her mum used to cook for her. And the client brightened visibly as she talked about these parts of her mum that she valued most. It was then suggested that even though her daughter would not be able to experience her grandmother like the client had, she could still get to know her grandmother in powerful ways through stories that the client could tell her about. And at that moment, things really clicked. By clarifying a value she held dear, her daughter was getting the experience of her grandmother, she was able to generate a sense of purpose, telling her daughter stories about her grandmother which in turn allowed the client to process her grief in a healthy way and move forward with her life. So how do we practice this? By using values clarification as a way to create a constructive sense of purpose to help pull us through difficult times and circumstances. Values clarification is a complex sounding idea for a very simple activity. All it means is to spend some time intentionally reflecting on your values, the things that matter most to you in your life. While values are often big, perhaps because they're based on spiritual or political in nature, values can also be small, such as spending quality time with a good friend, learning new skills or being compassionate with a family member during disagreements. Remember to periodically revisit and reevaluate if your values have changed. This is quite normal as we also change through our own personal experiences and development. Trait number three, adaptability and flexibility. People who are resilient to the stresses in their life have an uncanny ability to be flexible when circumstances change. Rather than becoming paralysed or resorting to wishing and complaining that things were different, they set about to change the one thing that they can actually have control over, themselves. In other words, resilient people have a knack of being creative, inventive or even innovative in the face of stress, which allows them to adapt and roll with their difficulties rather than to crumble or to try to escape. My next example comes from my own experiences and how I've learnt better to communicate with people, specifically new work colleagues. By my nature, I can have a very direct, matter-of-fact style of communicating. I'm not a shy wallflower, as they say. In the past, as soon as I recognised something to be wrong, I would have wanted to bring it up and process it immediately. This process is what had generally worked for me in the past. And for a long time, that's how I approached difficulties at work. I would try to get the other person, colleagues, to talk about the things immediately, even if they resisted to do this and found it difficult. I would then get myself resentful that they weren't trying as hard as me to sort the issue. This was all from my perspective. What I then discovered was that certain colleagues simply preferred to think things through slowly and on their own before talking them through together. That's how they like to process things. But from their perspective, they never got the chance to do this because I was always forcing them to process things right away and on the spot. 
When I finally realised what was going on, I made a conscious effort to be more patient with my immediate need to talk it out, and instead started to give them space and time. As a result of this adaptability, we were able to find a better compromise for how we handled work and relationship issues, and being able to move forward. How to practice this? Because creativity is perhaps the most key element of adaptability, learning how to become more creative, and yes, creativity is something that you can absolutely learn, is essential. And there is perhaps no better way to exercise your creative muscle than practicing divergent thinking. Divergent thinking is the mental process of taking one question or problem and generating multiple answers or solutions. It's the opposite to convergent thinking the more common mode of thought that involves choosing the best answer from many possible solutions. Think multiple choice tests. A great way to practice divergent thinking and building up your creativity is something called the 10 New Ideas Exercise, originally suggested by James Alcacher. So here's the basic idea. Pick a length of time, a week is a good starting place, and each and every day try to generate 10 new ideas within a specific category or topic. For example, Monday might be 10 ideas for a new book. Tuesday might be 10 ideas for a new business. Wednesday might be 10 ideas for the weekend activities with your friends. And so on. The idea is to allow yourself freedom to be creative and to understand that there's no wrong answer, just a wider range of ideas from different perspectives. Here are a few more tips and guidelines to complete this exercise. Choose a specific time and place to do this exercise and schedule it in. I personally like to do this right after I've worked out as I'm cooling down from an exercise set. Not 100% sure why, but this works for me. I think it's because my mind is clear of other lists. Physically write down your ideas. Pen and paper seems to be the best way, but typing them into a notes file on your phone or computer is also fine. Just don't try and do it in your head. You'll forget it. Know that actually coming up with good ideas is not the point. It's the act of generating lots of new ideas that we're working on. An extension of the above point is that you don't want to censor or edit your ideas. Just get them all out there. What you can also do is click on the link in the podcast information for more information on James and the work he does. So to summarise and focus on the key points, highly resilient people share three common traits. Acceptance of reality, a sense of purpose and adaptability. While resilience is crucial for people undergoing extreme suffering and trauma, it's also a trait we can all benefit from in small but important ways in our everyday life. And so the three practical strategies for becoming more resilient in everyday life include using cognitive restructuring as a way to make your self-talk and default reactions to stresses more realistic and constructive, using values clarification as a way to identify meaningful values that motivate us to persevere through difficult circumstances, and finally use divergent thinking to foster creativity and flexibility so that we can become more adaptive in the ways that we react to new challenges and difficulties. So that's our topic for today. I hope you found it interesting and helpful. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed this episode, then subscribe and get new episodes sent to you directly weekly. You can do that for free via Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast and more. I appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen, so please subscribe, like, tell your friends and send me any comments and feedback. Also, check out the Instagram page, Not Just Making the Tea, for more information and updates. For activities and resources, check out the Learning Hub on educationyalla.com and subscribe. Thank you once again, keep safe 
chat soon. Have a great day.